Striking Chords with Jonathan Douglas. Here, talking with pianist Murray Pariah. I was very lucky, actually. I had a lot of very good musicians around me. Um, Horshavsky, Mieczysław、um, Horshavsky, who was a wonderful pianist, not perhaps not as well known as he should have been. He was a Leszczyzny student, and he died at I think he was a hundred and seven. He had claimed to be a hundred and one, but I think he was older. He died rather recently, and he was a very important influence because I loved his playing, and he was around Casals in that circle. There was, of course, Rudolf Serkin, who was a wonderful pianist and、um, believed a lot in me, and、um, he was a very great influence for me. And then there, later on, actually, it started at that time, but it grew into a friendship later on. Was with Vladimir Horowitz,、mm-hmm. and、um, it started because he was a friend of Mr. Serkin's, and he wanted to teach me, and so I played for him when I was about eighteen or nineteen, and I felt at that time that probably if I had studied with him. I couldn't find myself because I would be in such admiration, and he would be such a big figure for me that it, it would be a bit difficult. And so I didn't study with him. And many, many years later,、uh, we met again, and then we became very close friends for about the last three to four years of his life. And I saw him almost every day when I was in New York, and spoke to him at least once a week. And、uh, in a way, I, I gained. Really, an immeasurable amount from him. Can you try to put that into words? It's very difficult because it involved so many different things. But I think if I could summarize what he himself wanted to be to me, at first he said to me, "If you want to be more than a virtuoso, and many pianists, myself included, want to be more than a virtuoso. Let's say we want to say something about the music or、um, make it meaningful." He said, "If you want to be more than a virtuoso." First, you must be a virtuoso, <laughs>、mm-hmm. and actually,、uh, that was very crucial to his way of thinking.、He's, he felt that one had to master the piano, but not in a dry mechanical means. He hated that, but in a in an imaginative and colorful and dramatic way. And so, everything he wanted me to work on, obviously, the virtuoso literature list, Rachmaninoff, Scriabin, things like this,、um, the more virtuoso aspects of Schumann and Chopin.、Um, And so that—that's the music that I would bring to him. I didn't really study with him, but I played for him quite a lot, and he gave me a lot of, a lot of advice, let's say. And it was all geared to you, towards using the expression of the piano, the the means of the piano, to the greatest possible expressive ends. I never felt completely up to、uh, the challenge, but it was always a wonderful challenge for me. So, how do you view the this relationship between the musician and the music, and this whole、um, area of of interpretation? I I again talk to musicians who some of whom say, oh, well, it's most important you've got to be faithful to the score. Others who say, oh, you know, that wants me makes me want to sort of gag. That's so politically correct. You. You have to put a bit of your own personality into it, and so on. And I think I suppose a lot of people would say that Vladimir Horowitz put a lot of personality into the way he played. You, you know, I don't believe with I, I don't agree with either. <laughs> In that, I don't I don't mean to to、um, be contrary. It's just that if you just follow the score slavishly, you don't really make the music your own, and、uh, you don't see the meaning for the music. You don't see the reason for the notes, and. Um, I think that that's very important. You're not a slave 
to some other person. You have to create the music as if you were composing it yourself. The more that that can be in the line of the way the composer is thinking, the more successful you'll be at that. But, of course, we can't know completely. We can try to, I think, understand the composer, uh, understand the composer's motives by understanding his education. If we can understand, for instance, how Beethoven worked, we know that he spent so many years on counterpoint. Even in the, his last years, when he was already an accomplished musician, uh, he had written things like the Fifth Symphony and the Seventh Symphony, all that. He was working on the late quartets. What did he do? He wrote fugues. He wrote counterpoint. He studied species counterpoint. What was the meaning of that for him? I think that it's very important for us to try to understand it. We can't be Beethoven, obviously. But don't forget, you know, for instance, Chopin wrote a hundred fugues, all of which he burned. But he he did the same work, and he said to Delacroix, if you want to understand logic in music, understand counterpoint. They all said that. Schumann was always telling his wife, study Bach. So what did they see in it? Not some dry, analytical, unimportant work that's boring. They saw in it the source of all music. And I think that in order to try to understand them, we should try not to engage in a boring, analytical process, but in a vital process of understanding the reason for the notes and understanding their um, their makeup in a way towards these things. So dry analytical mm, kind of correctness to the score is not right. Putting your personality there regardless of the music is egocentric. So that's why both positions for me don't really make sense. I don't feel that Horowitz um, really disregarded the, the composer. I feel he loved music too much to do that. Sometimes, of course, he adjusted a dynamic that didn't feel to him right. But don't forget that Chopin did that. There's a very important um, document, uh, some lessons with Chopin, where, for instance, he, he played the Barcarolle, and where he, uh, the student writes, he told us a big crescendo to fortissimo at some climax, and he went, demonstrated it, made a huge diminuendo to pianissimo. Well, the effect would have been, in a way, the same because he, he knew where the tensions were. So it doesn't really make a difference if you're playing you know, if, with that kind of understanding. Um, and I think that's what's crucial, just to know what it's about in some way. Um, then you can, you know, if you don't play forte, if you don't play this uh, crescendo, it's not really that important. How much do you ever let yourself um, be driven by a moment, if at all, especially in the act of actually communicating to a, an audience in a, in a live performance. Are you, do you allow yourself to be spontaneous in that way? I, I feel every minute has to be spontaneous, every second, because then you're not true to the phrase that you've started. Any phrase that you've started, you've built up in a certain way, and then you can't continue it arbitrarily, well, I practiced it this way, that's the way it has to be. No, it has to respond, otherwise it's not going to be organic. And so every time you're playing, you're playing a different performance. I don't believe in working out everything uh, to the last detail. I, as I say, the most important thing for me is to understand the reason for the notes, and then I improvise my performance. I, I don't play it exactly in one way. <laughs> 